0: Joe Biden has solved the racial achievement gap. This took a long time. You know, some people blamed this system. Some people blamed cultural differences. But Joe has finally identified the real problem. Black people just can't get accountants. The data shows young black entrepreneurs are just as capable of succeeding given the chance as white entrepreneurs are. But they don't have lawyers. They don't have they, they, they don't have accountants, but they have great ideas. Does anyone doubt this whole nation would be better off from the investments those people make? And I promise you, that's why I set up a uh, National Small Business Administration that's much broader, because they're going to get those loans. That's it. They're great entrepreneurs. They just, they just don't have accountants. You know, they're such good entrepreneurs that they don't know how to call up H&R Block, but they have good ideas. You know, that's what's really important. In business is having no one has any ideas. It's <laughs> ideas at a buck fifty. I'll get you a cup of coffee. If only it were that easy, as Joe Biden says. The left has more dramatic plans for cultural revolution than that: government diversity mandates, a racial caste system, and even gender nullification surgery to make people look like Ken dolls. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Kevin Beach, who says, why does a mother or a father only get one day to celebrate their contribution to society and be celebrated? The LGBTQ pride gets a month. Shorten that up a bit, please. No, it's more than a month. It's two months. It's There's June, which is pride month. And there's, I believe it's October is LGBT history month. So a full sixth of the year is now dedicated to Sort of unusual sexual desires, but yeah, one day for mom, one day for dad, and I guess you have one month for for Black History, but only some Black History, right? It's not not all sorts. It's not uh, Thomas Soul Month. Okay, it's not Clarence Thomas Month. Then there's another month for Women's History. It's the liturgical calendar is very very full in liberalism. It's very very crazy. Makes one want to just run away. And if you wanted to uh, get away need some, some great shoes on your feet, I would recommend Allbirds. A curious spirit and deep appreciation for nature is the very core of Allbirds. Started with co-founder Tim Brown wondering why sustainable merino wool was not more widely used for its remarkable qualities. I love merino wool. Tim teamed up with engineer and renewables expert Joey Zvilinga to create their first groundbreaking shoe, the Wool Runner. Today, they lead the industry in crafting quality footwear and apparel with natural materials and finding more sustainable ways to operate. The tree runners are breathable. They're machine washable. They're made with responsibly sourced eucalyptus tree fiber. Simple and versatile design makes the tree runner a perfect go-to shoe for any outfit. Packaging made from 90% recycled cardboard. That's a shoebox, shopping bag, and mailer all in one. Allbirds has been dedicated to reducing environmental impact since day one. From operations to production, they treat the planet like a key stakeholder in the company. Really great stuff. You know, we, we like to conserve things. We like beautiful nature. We like to be around this lovely earth, and we like to look good doing it. This spring, keep things light and breezy with the Allbirds tree runner. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Some conservatives are making the argument because of Joe Biden's stupid comments that he is a racist. And I guess in a way he is, but they're, they're making the argument, not that he's uh, uh, just a racist generally, but that he's a white supremacist because he's made these comments about black people. He said that, you know, B- Barack Obama's the first clean, articulate black man <laughs> in American politics or something to that effect. That was a bit offensive. He said that uh, poor kids are just as talented as white kids. That was a bit offensive. And now he said that black entrepreneurs can't succeed because they don't know how to call H&R Block. <laughs> but, but I, I don't, I don't think he's a white supremacist. I think this argument of, you know, Democrats are the real white supremacists. I think that's kind of silly. I think it's a bit of a a coping mechanism. I don't think that Republicans or conservatives are racist. I mean, I frankly I don't even know what that word means anymore. It's been so watered down to mean nothing, but I don't think conservatives or Republicans hold any particular uh, racial animosity at all. I don't think they think about race very much whatsoever. And I say this with some authority being a conservative Republican myself. And it certainly is the case that Democrats and leftists do think about race a lot, but they're not white supremacists. I, I just think that that's a silly statement to make. They are advancing a racial caste system, but they want it to disadvantage whites and they want it to give, they want to give advantage, just like affirmative action, give advantages to certain groups like black people and Hispanics and disadvantage other groups like white people and Asians. That is what they're calling for. And, and any, any way to twist that, I think is just a way to buy into the premise that the only evil in the entire world is anti-black racism. That's very bad. There are other bad things too. Uh, Joe Biden was pretty clear about this the other day. He came out and he said that the single greatest threat today in America is, is what? Would you say it's COVID, maybe? No. Would you say that it's the, the lockdowns? No. Would you say it's depression? No. Would you say it's drugs? No. Would you say it's v- violence in the streets from people like BLM and Antifa? No. You know what it is? White supremacy. According to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. So that's just preposterous, right? I mean, I guess the single greatest threat is heart disease, followed by what? Followed by various other ailments. And then if we're talking about violence in the streets, it's not, it's not from white supremacists, okay? They're just There isn't a whole lot of that. This statement doesn't even hold up if you only look at race crimes, or rather, if you only look at hate crimes, which have a racial component very often. When you look at hate crime statistics and you look at white perpetrators and black perpetrators, you find out that black people are far more likely to commit hate crimes than white people are. I'm sure there are many reasons for this and one could discuss all of it. I'm not making any claim about what the reasons are, but I'm just saying if you believe that white supremacy is the greatest threat, that isn't even true when you're looking at hate crimes. Hate crime is a kind of silly category because I guess it's the opposite of a love crime. There aren't too many love crimes as far as I can tell. We are now living in a system that is upholding and advancing a a new sort of racial caste, breaking out of the colorblind society that everyone had been striving to create for a long time. There's now a racial caste system, and white people are considered to be the sort of embodiment of evil in this system, the single greatest threat to the country. There are different standards here when you're looking at how to punish crime, depending on ideology and specifically on racial politics. Greatest example of this, January 6th. You know, January, what happened on January 6th? The worst, most dangerous insurrection, coup d'etat, or it was a guy with horns dancing on a desk in the Capitol, or it was a bunch of people stealing Nancy Pelosi's lectern. I'm not excusing this. It's not a good thing to do, but it's not uh, the storming of the Bastille. It's not, it's not the worst insurrection in American history. it's not even the worst insurrection in the year leading up to January 6th. in the year leading up to January 6th you had BLM burning down the country you had Antifa burning down the country and you had a guy in horns dancing on Pelosi's desk. both bad but bad to different degrees and yet the BLM people basically get off the hook. the Antifa people basically get off the hook and the guy in the horns oh man they're gonna throw the book at him right now. Very, very high-level prosecutors, prosecutors who work on homicide, prosecutors who work on terrorism, are being brought in to try the Capitol Hill rioters for trespassing. Basically, just for trespassing. Maybe the theft of taking Nancy Pelosi's lectern. Initially, we were told in the newspapers that these rioters had killed police officers. That's not true. Even the left-wing newspapers admit that now. So you're going to have the, the toughest, highest level prosecutors in the country, federal prosecutors, brought in to try trespassing. What about, what about the BLM people who trespassed? What about the Antifa people who trespassed? That doesn't matter. That's fine. There's a different standard there because of different political ideologies and because of racial politics. What about that? There's some good news on this front, which is that the GOP, was debating whether or not to form a January 6th commission. This was going to be a a commission set up by the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives, akin to the 9-11 commission, because January 6th was just like September 11th. And there were a number of squish Republicans who were going to go along with this, Mitt Romney and those sorts of types. Thankfully, though, the January 6th commission failed. And we had a feeling this would fail because cocaine. Mitch McConnell said a couple of weeks ago, he said, "I I've decided we're not going to do this." Oh, say hello to my little friend. And so, so you didn't you didn't have to worry about it. The reason it failed, though, is not because they couldn't muster a majority in the Senate. The reason is because of the filibuster, right? You, need, you know, there's a higher threshold because of the filibuster, and the. Democrats have not nuked the filibuster yet, so there will be no January 6th commission. If you don't get that January 6th was not the same thing as September 11th, you're not on our side. <laughs> I don't know how else you are. If you believe that January 6th was like 9-11, I'm not saying you've got to approve of January 6th. I don't, I don't know anyone who really does. But if you, if you don't realize that it's different than 9-11, you're not a conservative. You shouldn't be lumped in with conservatives. If, if you think that January 6th was worse than the BLM riots, I don't think you're really a conservative. Now, some people get this. Some people don't, but some people do. We Yesterday on the show, we played that, that speech by Paul Ryan over the weekend, where Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, representative, I guess now, of the sort of economics-only moderate wing of the Republican Party. And he just doesn't seem to know what time it is. He said we need to focus only on economics, basically, and not at all on culture. There's another Republican leader in this country who recognizes the exact opposite is true. That man, you can probably guess his name Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
1: Some of these battles with what the left is doing and, and wokeism, you know, it's effectively cultural Marxism. And so you, know, you can have theoretically a successful. Um, economy, but if the underpinnings of the culture are just being torn apart, I don't think that that's a a society that's going to be very successful over the long term.
0: Bingo, baby. He's said a lot of words here that you're not allowed to say, notably cultural Marxism, which is just another term. It's a problematic term because people use it to mean different things. But what he's referring to is a very real phenomenon. There were people in the Marxist tradition, Marxist philosophers who recognized that Marx failed because he viewed man as fundamentally economic and material rather than cultural. And so they applied Marx's ideas to culture. This was done through people like Antonio Gramsci. This was done through the Frankfurt School. This reared its ugly head again in in the New Left, and it gave us political correctness, which I described at length in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order and available for a signed first edition copy of Premier Collectibles. Ron DeSantis has some some real guts here to even say that phrase, because if you go on Wikipedia in the past few years, cultural Marxism, a very well-known intellectual movement, Has now been called an anti Semitic conspiracy theory. Conspiracy, I don't know how it's a conspiracy theory at all because there are many Marxist writers who describe themselves as cultural figures, but I don't know how it's anti Semitic either because the most prominent one of them was an Italian guy, not a Jew. Never mind, they don't really care when they're trying to censor people. Ron DeSantis calls it out. He says, yeah, it's good to have tax cuts. It's good to have regulatory reform. But if you lose the whole culture, none of that's going to matter. This is the exact point we were making on the show yesterday. This guy knows what time it is. If you got a future, the GOP is either going to go in the Paul Ryan direction or the Ron DeSantis direction. The only way we're going to we're gonna stick around is if we go in the Ron DeSantis direction. Now, put it in the Senate. Is the GOP going to go in the Mitt Romney direction? Is it going to go in the Ted Cruz direction? If it goes in the Romney direction, we're not going anywhere. If it goes in the Cruz direction or the Hawley direction or any of the conservatives, you're going to be going in the right place. When you want to go to the right place to get auto parts, by the way, you should check out Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things such as, hey, Michael. Is your Honda a GT7 or a QX3? It's like, I don't know, man. It's it's gray. Does that give you an answer? No, they don't know. But then you figure it out. They go into the back. They don't have the part. They never have the part. They go online. Probably to rockauto.com. They charge you twice as much. That seems like a big waste of time and a waste of money. When you could go to rockauto.com, a family company, Always has reliably low prices. They don't change their prices every single day based on a bunch of gimmicks. The catalog is so simple and easy to navigate, even I can do it. And they've got the same prices for pros, such as myself, and do-it-yourselfers, such as you. So head on over to rockauto.com. You can quickly check out all the parts for your car or truck that you want today. Uh, That's rockauto.com. And then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you. So Ron DeSantis totally knows what time it is on the culture. He gets that tax cuts and regulatory reform are worth approximately nothing if we lose our national identity, if we lose our culture, if we, we lose our traditional American way of life. DeSantis is not just speaking pie in the sky in abstractions. DeSantis is putting this into action. He just signed a bill banning Uh, dudes from playing in women's sports. Now, the way this is being reported, this according to WFLA, quote, breaking on the first day of pride month, Ron DeSantis signs bill banning transgender females from girls in women's sports. Oh man, that sounds bad, doesn't it? That headline doesn't, that really doesn't sound good. But then I thought, okay, let me, let me translate that, that line from wokest into English. Let's do, let's and so the translation would be on the first day of Pride Month. Scratch that. Out. On the first day of June, Governor Ron DeSantis signs a bill banning transgender female. What is? Oh, that's a man. Uh, governor Ron DeSantis signs a bill banning men from girls and women's sports. Oh, that that makes perfect sense. That what that shouldn't even be a news story. <laughs> Why is it news? That the I guess it's, the news story is that the governor had to sign a bill to ban men from women's sports. Because it should be common sense, but the common sense ain't that common anymore. Now, this was a pretty courageous move here. Uh, you know, other governors around the country have balked at this sort of thing. Uh, Christy Nome came under a lot of fire for this. Christy Nome, good governor. She's done a lot of good things in the past year, but she she whiffed it. She kind of blew it on the issue of transgender sports because she signed a bill that would keep men out of the girls' locker room for... K through 12 but she or she was willing to sign that bill but she wouldn't go all the way she wouldn't sign it because she didn't want to exclude men from women's sports at the collegiate level and the defenders of Governor Nome's decision said look it's impossible the NCAA they were threatening to pull events out of the state and she was afraid it wouldn't hold up and it, there was too much pressure and uh, okay well that's too bad it's too bad when our leaders, cave under that sort of pressure. Ron DeSantis, not so much.
1: You can't be cowed by these organizations or particularly by woke corporations uh, from doing the right thing. And so my view was throughout this whole time, we have to protect our girls. It is discriminatory to force them to compete against biological males. And so if the price of having a tournament is that I have to deny equal opportunity, to hundreds of thousands of young girl and women athletes throughout Florida, uh, I am much more uh, willing to stand with the girls and to hell with these events. What I think we've shown, not just with this, but we did a strong election integrity bill in Florida, actually stronger than Georgia, and we just made it clear, we're standing with our folks, we're gonna do the right thing, uh, and so if corporations want to come in and try to bully us around, they are going to go nowhere. It's going to be like hitting their head against a brick wall. The result has been we've had very little uh, to do with that elections bill. And I don't think we're going to have very much to do at this point here because we leaned into it and we stood strong.
0: To hell with those events. If the cost of those events is... Now, what Ron DeSantis is saying is if the cost of those events is denying opportunity to women and girls, then to hell with those events. Okay, a perfectly fine reason. But frankly, I don't really think this is about women's sports. I think this is about reality. At the broader level, if the cost of those events, if the cost of corporate money is that we need to deny reality and live in lies and propagate lies and, and conduct our society in delusion, to hell with those corporations. I don't. We don't need to do that. It's not worth it. The price is too high. So we're all duking it out now over the female sports thing, but it's, it's about so, so much more than that. And DeSantis understands this. How many politicians in the country understand this sort of thing? Not very many. Not very many realize that you've got to lean in on the cultural issues. And the ones who do, by the way, are absolutely castigated by everyone else in their party. The people I'm thinking of are guys like DeSantis, guys like Cruz, guys like, I suppose, Hawley. He's he's persona non grata now. And some other other politicians as well. This is the right answer. Wokeism is purely destructive, okay? It is, uh, this is the thesis of my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for (laughs) pre-order. it's purely destructive. It seeks to destroy the old standards. It will not allow there to be women's sports. It will not allow there to be a women's bathroom. It will not allow there to be a sexual difference at all. Ultimately, it will not even acknowledge sex. And this this has come out in the creepiest news story I have seen since yesterday. There were a lot of creepy news stories yesterday. uh, And uh, somehow there's another one today. Gender nullification. Have you heard about this? Gender nullification surgery. So that you've got this broad woke ideology that is based. They say it's about redefining and expanding and inclusion and diversity, but we know that it's not. When you, when you redefine marriage to take away the essence of marriage, you don't expand it. You don't make it more inclusive. You just destroy it. And now you've, just, you've, got, you've taken one institution off the table, which the left has been after for 100 years, and which BLM is still honest about, right? They say they want to destroy the Western prescribed nuclear family. When you d- take away the difference between men and women, it's not that you're expanding the genders right, you know, to the 150 genders that they pretend that there are. You're just destroying sex. You're destroying gender. And one group of surgeons is admitting this. There is a, a new surgery being performed by the Align Surgical Associates based in San Francisco. I know you're going to be shocked to hear that. Uh, to nullify sex. Quote, Nullification creates a relatively continuous and mostly unbroken transition from the abdomen down to the genital area, enabling gender non-conforming patients to enjoy a body that looks closer on the outside to the way they feel on the inside. So it turns you into a Ken doll or a Barbie doll, you know, where your pelvis is just completely flat. It just not only mutilates your genitals to look different than they Currently, look, it just tries to erase them entirely. And this is in the name of health. If I walked into a doctor's office today and I said, you know, I feel as though I only have one arm. They say, well, Michael, you manifestly have two arms. I say, I know that you're saying that, but that's very hurtful to me because I identify as someone with one arm and even if physically, even if by an accident of birth, I was, ass- I was assigned two arms at birth, I know that deep down in my true self, I'm a one-armed man. So I need you to perform a surgery and cut off my arm to make me feel on the outside more like I feel on the inside. I would, at least today, I would be committed to a mental institution for saying that, because that is crazy talk. You can't, no doctor today, as far as I know, would perform that surgery. That would violate the Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> doctors are supposed to, at first, at least, do no harm. Then they'll try to help you. When you mutilate perfectly functioning organs, you are harming people. However, if I go in and instead of saying, hey, doctor, I want you to cut my arm off, if I said, hey, I want you to cut off a far more sensitive part, many, many doctors in the country would do this. They would, they would mutilate me if I asked them to, and in some cases, they would encourage me to do that because of kooky, cultish theories about sex and gender. This, I, I, I think, this sort of surgery underscores a point that conservatives have not wanted to accept for a long time, but increasingly, we are. We have to say no to certain things. We should not allow that to happen. We should use big government and regulations to stop private citizens and private businesses like doctor's offices from doing that. It's not enough to say, hey, if you want to chop off your organs and your limbs, uh, that's fine. Just don't make me pay for it. No, it's not fine. It's it's actually wrong. It's evil. It's unjust. You shouldn't do it. It's not compassionate to the people who are very confused to want this done. It's not good for society. It's contrary to the practice of medicine. It's contrary to justice and truth and goodness and beauty and the American way. Don't do it. you have to to be comfortable banning things. If you want to preserve freedom, you need to say no to licentiousness. If you want to preserve free speech, you have to say no, you have to censor speech that undermines free speech. This is apparently a controversial, this wouldn't have been a controversial thesis even 50 years ago. This is apparently a controversial thesis today and one that I advance in my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Writes and Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. It's a great book to read, by the way. While you are sort of sitting out, relaxing, trying to bring together all of the craziness of this world, trying to focus, and while you're smoking a very good cigar. When you do want a good cigar, I would strongly recommend Thompson cigars. I just had one of the most delicious cigars. I had some friends over for dinner uh, on Sunday night. And after dinner, what's going to happen? You're going to break out the cigars. What cigars do I break out? The Knoll Sampler Pack from Thompson. I just bought two of them. Again, I love. I, I was kind of hoping I'd get free sampler packs. It doesn't matter. The price is so good. Uh, I'm willing to pay for it all day long. It's less than forty dollars. You get five top-rated cigars. You get the Davidoff Nicaragua, E.P. Carillo Historia. You get uh, the Oliva Series O, one of my favorites. You get the Nat Sherman Timeless. You get. Uh, the one that I smoked on Sunday night, which was the Armada Man of War. It's one of my favorite cigars out there. Just that cigar alone can cost 50 bucks retail. You can get the whole thing, all five cigars for less than 40. I don't need to tell you how much I love Thompson. I've been a customer of theirs for 15 years now, at least. Head on over. You'll get 15% off orders over 75 bucks or 20% off orders over 99 bucks. So just order a bunch of the samplers as long as they have them in stock. Uh, you, if you want to get that sampler, you've got to go to thompsoncigar.com slash Knowles, K-N-A-W-L-E-S. That is thompsoncigar.com slash Knowles. T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N cigar.com slash You know, Ben is going to be talking about one of our favorite villains in the world today, Dr. Anthony... Fauci, you sheep, you dumb mask wearing sheep. Uh, Go check that out. Also, be sure to check out Ben's new book, The Authoritarian Moment, which is available now for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. I really love this title because I'm going to steal it to be my campaign slogan when I'm running next time. It'll be Knowles 2028, The Authoritarian Moment. Go check that out today. We'll be right back with a lot more. not to harp too much on the creepy gender nullification surgery but these sickos at the Aligned surgical associates the San Francisco doctors group that's that's turning humans into kendalls they perform other surgeries too they'll they'll perform surgeries where they will you know if you're a woman you go in where they will sort of construct an organ that looks like a like a phallus but they'll keep your your actual genitals there too, so you, you'll just be, a, you'll look more like a hermaphrodite and they'll do the same thing for men. This is not, <laughs> this is not the purpose of medicine. The purpose of medicine is to take things that are not functioning and make them function appropriately or, or to make them function better. If your kidneys aren't working well, then they're going to have some interventions, put you on dialysis, and make your kidneys function a little bit better. If your eyes aren't functioning very well, you can't really see, they're going to work on your eyes and they're going to make you see a little bit better. This presumes that things have a purpose and that your body parts have a purpose. But we deny that now in our culture. We deny that our body parts have any purpose. We deny purpose entirely or the technical term T loss. And so because we deny that, things get a little kooky where you say, well, anything can be or do any other thing. And now the purpose of medicine has transformed from fixing things and making them do what they're supposed to do, pursuing justice, to uh, fantasy, to creating fantasies and turning people into all sorts of things that they are not and that they they really ought not to be. Now, this is all done in the name of compassion and in the name of pride. It's very prideful. It's very prideful (laughs) to say that we can recreate the world according to our own fancies, and that we're, we have the right to do that, and that we ought to do that, and that the world will be much better, not according to nature and pursuing justice, but according to our own fantasies and our own basis desires. The, the pride issue is so much bigger than sex. Everyone wants to make it just about the gays, you know, or just about that now, I guess, including transgender or whatever. It's about so much more than that. It's about a leftist political program to transform all of reality, the the idea that we can redefine reality by redefining words. A thesis I advanced in my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. It's what Whitaker Chambers said is the the second oldest ideology in the world that began in the Garden of Eden when the serpent told Eve, ye shall be as gods. That's what this is about. That's what constructing someone's body to look like something that they never were uh, is about. And we're advancing this ideology around the world. The U.S. Embassy at the Holy See, at the Vatican, is flying a pride flag for Pride Month. Now, it's a little bit offensive, you see, because the Catholic Church uh, it has a different view of sex than the pride view of sex. And the Vatican, you know, the Holy See, is an independent country, and they've invited us to have an embassy there. And we are now foisting the, our, our sort of radical sexual views on the Vatican we would not be doing this in the places like Saudi Arabia we would not be doing this in the Middle East I don't think if you if you took a survey of Middle Eastern Arab state embassies right now I don't think you'd find all that many pride flags okay but you will find them poking an eye poking the eye of the Catholic Church because they know that the Catholic Church is not going to do anything and they know that some of the Arab states will riot and try to kill them That's what it's about, right? And because the the problem that the the American left has is not with the Arab states. They don't have the problem with Islam. They're not advancing any particularly positive vision. They're just trying to tear down Western civilization itself. They're trying to nullify it. They're trying to abolish it. And the Catholic Church is the representative institution of the civilization because it built the civilization. And it just won't go away. They keep trying to destroy it. They've been trying to destroy it for hundreds and hundreds of years now, and it, it just won't go away. One evidence, by the way, of its divine institution. Hilaire Belloc made this point. He said, Look, I'm, I'm required, as a matter of my faith, to believe that the church is divinely inspired. But for those of you who are non believers, one piece of evidence for its, its divine institution is that any other organization conducted with such knavish imbecility would not have lasted a fortnight. Despite all the scandals, despite all of the sometimes outright idiotic uh, governance of the church from, from some of its leaders, the church indoors, and, and the United States seems a little upset about that. This is, I think, more evidence of a point I made on the show yesterday, that the reason that the left is rallying around the pride flag or the BLM flag right now, as opposed to the American flag, where they protest the American flag, but they put the, the pride flag up everywhere, is because the pride flag is a symbol of liberal imperialism. The American flag is still a symbol of the American nation. The pride flag and the BLM flag, for that matter, are symbols of liberal empire. This idea of a a sort of universal secularism that is not limited to one nation with borders, but it's, it's not bounded at all. It actually should apply to every nation on the face of the earth, including and especially the Catholic Church. And I think that's, that's the divide between, say, the nationalist and the globalist, right? This was the, the dichotomy that Trump showed us in 2016. The people who support the American nation wave the American flag. The people who want to get rid of our American borders and support global liberal empire. Ironic, they say they're anti-colonial, but they're actually the most imperialist people in the world. They wave the rainbow flag and they wave the BLM flag. Now, there are some problems within the Catholic Church as well, as you, as you may have heard. But I think a lot of them are disingenuous. You know, people who are defending the, the pride flag at the Vatican right now, they're saying, "Well, look. It's how dare the Catholic Church raise a problem about this? The Catholic Church has scandals where the priests have molested little boys." That's true. That's true there have been those scandals. There have been priests who have abused children. Very terrible horrible like the basically the worst thing you can imagine you think it's only the Catholic church that has done that? Because I don't think it is. When you look at surveys on this issue, the Catholic church is no more likely to do these things than other religious groups. But moreover, Catholic priests are significantly less likely to have abused children than public school teachers. The, the rate of abuse, So, it, by the way, the abu- it's not as though the abuse is really ongoing, certainly not in anywhere to the degree that it was. The abuse came after the tumult of the 1960s at more broadly, you know, the, the craziness, the sexual revolution across the broader culture and Vatican II, the Second Vatican Council, which really created an upheaval in the church. The, the sexual abuse peaked during the 1970s and 80s and it dropped off precipitously after that. And the rate of abuse, including at the height, is, has been estimated to be about 4%. Insanely high, and it's hard to get good numbers on this, but the estimate is about 4%. And this has obviously been investigated quite a lot. The rate of sexual abuse among public school teachers, 5 to 7%. So, yes, it's very important to fix all these problems, but I, I don't want to hear it. You, there's a double standard that's being pushed, and I, I don't want to hear that the Catholic priests are uniquely uh, guilty here when the the Catholic priests are are attacked because they're representatives of the of the Catholic Church, the public school teachers are representatives of the secular progressive state, and they abuse children at a far greater rate. So, if we're going to talk about the issue, let's bring out all of the facts. Now, there has been an infiltration within the Catholic Church. There's no question about that. There is a, a famous heretical priest. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. I want to. I want to be as respectful as I can, but that is as polite way as I can put it, this heretical priest, Father James Martin, who is a big advocate, um, often implicitly, but sometimes he verges on the explicit, of redefining marriage within the faith to uh, take away sexual difference, something that is impossible. You actually can't do it, but he has suggested that we ought to. And uh, so Father Martin tweeted out, quote, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Boris Johnson, this is the thrice married British prime minister, were married within the rules of the Catholic Church, and I wish them well. I also wish that the very same mercy and compassion that was offered to them recognizing their complex lives could also be extended to same-sex couples who are lifelong Catholics. Okay. He's saying that because Boris Johnson has been married multiple times and there were certain dispensations and things given, that's evidence that we need to redefine marriage to take away sexual difference, which is at the essence of marriage. The left always seems to do this. They always seem to say, that if there is any slight imperfection, any slight hypocrisy within the tradition, that means we should not fix the people who are, and, and the institutions and the traditions that are, you know, opposing that and bring everybody more into compliance with the objective order, but that we should get rid of all those traditions entirely. We should deny the, that traditional order entirely. Right. So if Boris Johnson is thrice married, that's not an argument for making it harder to get divorced. That's taken as an argument to abolish marriage. Well, why, why can't we just toughen things up a little bit? I think in part, this is because conservatives have been unwilling to say no. We have want for the past, I don't know, 30 years or so, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Conservatives have wanted to be the nice guy party of saying, no, do whatever you want. Dude, we're, we're pro-freedom. Oh, yeah, you should totally shoot up heroin and look at porn all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Just don't make me pay for it. Just don't. Hey, yeah, no, it's totally cool. You can have like throuples and, and do a bunch of drugs and stuff and like, you know, uh, but and kick the Bible out of schools and kick prayer out of schools and bring in drag queen story hour. That's awesome. That's a blessing of liberty. Just don't make me pay for it. Huh? <laughs> you know, and you just think that's not there's nothing conservative about that. It's not it's not coherent. And, and I don't even think there's a constituency for it. When you, when you talk to young conservatives, what they want is to be taken seriously. They want an orderly political system. And they want rules. Okay, and they don't. It's, it's really just the kind of boomer con types. the, the older, Conservatives of an older generation, you just say, yeah, do whatever you want the true definition of liberty is licentiousness. And I think that that's passing out of fashion right now. And you're, you're seeing it throughout the conservative movement. And yet the, the boomer con types will, will decry this sort of thing as on a fascistic, authoritarian, this, that, and the other thing. A, a good example is Viktor Orban. Viktor Orban is the excellent leader of Hungary. He's done an excellent, excellent job as the leader of Hungary. One of the few examples of a good politician in the, in the broader West. And he is regularly called a fascist and a Nazi and an authoritarian and this, that, and the other thing. And a BBC journalist recently challenged him and said, you do not have freedom of the press in Hungary. And Orban laughs at him. He responds by laughing. He says, you, you're going to lecture me? You here in the Anglosphere are going to lecture me about freedom of the press?
2: The many is, people who are worried about it. They, they fear no, the no, no, of the, democracy. the leftist activists... They are leftist activists, of course, they criticize us, but that's, that's normal. Come to Hungary, see by your eyes, and you can see how we live and how is the press. If you go to the Hungarian newsstand and you ask for a paper which attacking the government, you will get a dozen at least immediately, so it's free.
1: What do you say to the opposition parties, the Labour Party here, the Liberal Democrat Party here, who say you are the most regressive leader in the European Union? They, they have concerns about... Remarks you have made in the past, that they say, are anti-Semitic. They say are Islamophobic, and that they say is, is just so anti-immigration. What do you say?
2: To them? In terms of anti-immigration, it could be it could be true. Anti-Semitism is simply ridiculous. Uh, uh, we are a more than fair and correct country in that respect. We have a huge uh, Jewish community, probably the number three in. Uh, well, you repeatedly by- attack. People like George
1: Soros with anti-Semitic overtones.
2: Oh, no, no. George Soros is a talented Hungarian businessman. Very strong rival. He is uh, very much in favor of migration, financing, and helping the NGOs who are doing that. We don't like it, but it has nothing to do with his ethnic identity, you know.
0: Well, you, but you've criticized the leading leftist financier of our age. You've criticized George Soros, and he's a Jew, so that means that you're an anti-Semite. What are you talking about? I've criticized him because he spends zillions of dollars trying to oust me from office and open up the borders of Hungary. has nothing to do with his ethnicity. has everything to do with his political actions. Well, you're, but you don't have freedom of the press. What are you talking about? I've got a dozen newspapers who attack me every single day. But what about you, BBC? What about you, Western Anglosphere press? The BBC is attacking Viktor Orban because he is following the will of his constituents who want less immigration. The majority of Americans want less immigration too. Poll poll after poll after poll shows this, not just illegal, but legal immigration. And yet the American regime does not permit that. The American regime opens up the borders. Seems to me like Hungary is much more democratic than say the United States. What about the freedom of the press? Do we have freedom of the press here in the United States? To some degree we do, but I, I don't think very much. The entire mainstream press, the major press is dominated by the left and and by leftist corporations actually specifically. But then even let's say you've got a conservative outlet like the New York Post and the New York Post comes out with a really juicy story about Hunter Biden's laptop and his business dealings and Joe Biden during a presidential election. And what happens? It's not that the government, it's not that the, you know, the elected Democrat president shuts that down. At the time we had a Republican president, it's that the regime shuts it down. It's that the big tech companies shut it down. It's that you can't even message that story to somebody else. That's what happened with the New York Post. You couldn't even send that story privately to somebody else. Is that freedom of the press? I don't know. You know, Before you accuse Viktor Orban, take a look at yourself. Before you accuse Hungary of being anti-democratic, take a look at liberal imperialism and say, well, is this, is this much more democratic? I'm not so sure. Speaking of democratic integrity, By the way, there are some audits of votes going on. They're still auditing the 2020 votes. Now, there's not a ton of news out on this, certainly not with the presidential election, but there is a little story out of New Hampshire. There were machine-tabulated 2020 election results in Wyndham, New Hampshire, and it turns out that those results were different from a later hand recount. And they're saying this is because of the way the ballots were folded, and this, that, and the other thing. And the uh, Democratic candidate a Democratic state house candidate, Christy St. Laurent, lost her race and I guess wanted a recount. And so there was a recount. It turns out the Democrat actually got more votes than than ought to have been given. Now, all the officials are saying there's no evidence of fraud or political bias, no evidence that this would have thrown the race. Okay. I'm just pointing out here the fraud, generally speaking, always seems to go in one direction. I'm not saying without exception. There have been times that the recounts and the accidental votes always seem to go in one, one direction. not saying all the time. There have been times when Republicans have gotten votes that they shouldn't have two. But whenever we look into these things, we, we seem to find some issues. And yet we're told that if we were in, in any way to question this around the country, certainly with regard to the presidential election, that would be a kooky, crazy, unacceptable conspiracy theory that we're not even allowed to post on the internet. Because you see, we have a free press. We have the First Amendment. And that's why we're not allowed to talk about these things, right? Pretty strange stuff. Makes you makes you question what sort of government we're really living under. Are we living under the Constitution? Are we living under this, this democratic republic of ours? Or are we living under some other system, a sort of liberal empire or a secular progressive administrative state? What what is the real nature of the government? Well, at times like this, uh, you, you can see the, the regime really expose, expose itself. Are we represented by the American flag or are we represented by the BLM flag or the rainbow flag? What represents the kind of system we're living under today? Speaking of nation states, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has announced a new system for describing coronavirus. The new system for naming COVID and COVID variants is getting rid of uh, various nations. So you're you know you're not allowed to call it the China virus. We haven't been allowed to call it the China virus for a long time, or the Kung flu, or the Wu flu, or Lung Pao Sicken, or Chop Flui. You're not allowed to do it. Don't you dare. But you're also not allowed to refer to the Indian variant now. Now, as I recall, when there was a UK variant floating around, that was totally fine. So when, it was a, when it was a Western country, totally fine. But when it was India or China, that's totally unacceptable. So the new, the new system, this is going to make it much easier, they say, is uh, according to the Greek alphabet, alpha, beta, gamma, pi, these sorts of things. And the, the WHO tweets, quote, Today, WHO has announced a new naming system for COVID-19 variants. The labels are based on the Greek alphabet, making them simple, easy to say. And remember, it's so much simpler. Instead of saying Indian variant, to refer to the variant that comes from India. It's so much simpler to learn the Greek alphabet and then remember which Greek letter corresponds to which country. Isn't that easy and simple? Just makes it so much easier for you. But the re- they actually acknowledge why they did it. The naming system aims to prevent calling COVID-19 variants by the places where they're detected, which is stigmatizing and discriminatory. It's not, not either of those things. Uh, and really what this is about is obscuring the fact that China caused this virus and very likely uh, caused it in a laboratory and even possibly caused it intentionally. That's what this is about. Obscure, it's not about conveying truth. It's about obscuring truth. I was, I was dis- discussing this in my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. I was describing how... Did we get a bell? Is there no... Right, oh, no, there we go. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I pushed it one too far. Uh, are we gonna? Oh, God! I thought we'd only done done four today. Okay, well, they'll try to fix that camera. Uh, I, I was describing this difference between euphemisms. We all use euphemisms, right? A euphemism is when you use soft words to sugarcoat harsh realities. So, a harsh reality, for instance, is um, that you know a, a, a woman is aged. Let's say you don't want to call a woman old. How dare you? A a lady never tells her age. So you say she's a woman of a certain age. Okay. We all know what that means. And it's not a lie. She really is a woman of a certain age and you don't want to call her an old hag. So, okay, it makes perfect sense. But if you take another, like a politically correct euphemism and you say, okay, instead of calling someone a criminal, we're going to call him a justice involved person. That's an actual euphemism used. You're not just sort of softening what you're saying about them. You're actually inverting the reality. Because whatever the criminal is, he's not involved with justice, okay? He's actually involved with injustice. It's the opposite of what's going on here. And th- th- that is what you're seeing. That's what you're seeing with all this kind of Orwellian talk coming from the WHO. And this is all over the place. This is even in fe- infected Tennessee. You know I love Tennessee. I fled Los Angeles, Gamora by the Sea, Mussolini's fasc- fascistic, I guess more communistic sort of, you know, wokest state. Didn't turn around. I didn't want to turn into a pillar of salt. I come to Tennessee, but this stuff's going on in Tennessee. Tennessee is requiring all state employees to complete an assignment on diversity and equity as part of their performance reviews. This according to internal documents from the Tennessee Department of HR. And this is what they write, quote, although we're all affected by the recent deaths of black Americans, black employees are affected disproportionately, be considerate of what employees are experiencing when communicating with team members. So we're told that certain deaths are worse than other deaths in the United States and certain people based on their skin color are more sensitive and deserving of more privileges than other people. That's a new caste system. That That is a deeply unjust sort of thing. But it, it reminds us that there's a big difference between what we think that our government is and what our government really is. What we think our law is and what our law really is. And I think you're seeing this in, in conservatives. There's a group of conservatives that seem to think that nothing has changed since 1982. And they just want to keep their head in the sand and go along with that. And there's another group of conservatives who knows what time it is. And who knows that we need to change our strategy or we're going to be wiped out forever on the right. And uh, that latter group of conservatives are the ones who who seriously know what's going on. And if we want to fight back at all, we've got to recognize that uh, we've got to wake up and uh, live in the present if we want to reclaim the glories of our national past. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Pavel Vidovsky, editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico, audio mixer, Mike Coromina, hair and makeup by Nika Geneva, and production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021.
1: Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Dr. Anthony Fauci's emails emerge, and they are not particularly flattering. Plus, President Biden unleashes a tirade against America to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.